Good morning. Today is July the 19th and we're having another little bit hotter today it looks like but sunny and clear and a nice breeze starting. So I hope your day is beautiful and brings you what you need and what you want today. Today we're still going to be reading from Sylvia Borstein's book Pay attention for goodness sake. <laughs> and it's a book about mindfulness and working with the 10 paramitas or the 10 perfections. These are the, we think of as the qualities of the Buddha that we can strive for and become, you know, build into our own lives, working with these qualities. And it also is, uh, when we're working with the Eightfold Path, these ten perfections or qualities we're always working on. Just by living, living using the Eightfold Path as a guide, we're developing these qualities. And so this is a deeper understanding of those qualities that our life can contain. Our very ordinary life, our extraordinary life, um, that's the goal. So today I want to, I'm going to read first and then uh, we'll sit towards the end of the time. Kind of switching, I'm kind of switching around with this. So, this is, chap I'm just going to read uh, kind of from the beginning of this chapter and then towards the end and just give you a taste of it. And it's not a super long chapter. So chapter three, the third uh, perfection, the third paramita, is renunciation. And here's the quote from the suttas, looking very deeply at life as it is right now, the person dedicated to awakening dwells in stability and freedom. The wise person calls someone who knows how to dwell in mindfulness, one who knows the better way to live alone. It's beautiful. And she begins with her, with her chart that she drew up when she first started to teach the Ten Perfections. I really like her. And then she breaks it down for each chapter. So, and then she begins the, the chapter by reading how this, how she would read her chart. I want to free myself from endless cycles of struggling with temptation, which the Buddha named in the second noble truth as the root cause of suffering. I need to keep rediscovering that the pain of the struggle is greater than the pain of the desire. If I develop the habit of restraining myself, I'll enjoy the relief of feeling desires pass. And I'll remember that desires are not the problem. Feeling pushed around by them is. I'll continue to have desires, of course, because I am alive, but they'll be more modest in their demands. So in her chart, it would be the practice of renunciation develops the habit of restraining by realizing that insatiable wanting is suffering. 
the second noble truth, and is supported by discovering that everything passes, including uncomfortable desires. That's insight into impermanence. And it manifests as temperance. Renunciation meditation. Human beings have the amazing ability to not do something they feel like doing. <laughs> it's a big accomplishment. The mind, just like, not just like life, is full of seductive Alice in Wonderland signs that say, think me and do this. The powerful gift of the pra practice of renunciation is the capacity for restraint, the ability to read each sign as it comes into view and decide whether or not that's where you want to go. Here's the meditation practice for developing restraint. First, Restrain the impulse to turn the page and read on. In a moment when you finish reading these instructions, you'll close your eyes, take some deep breaths in and out, and decide what particular focus you'd like to hold for the time that you sit. You could decide, for example, I'll just feel the breath as it comes in and out at my nostrils or I'll just feel my chest expand and then relax with each breath. Or I'll just feel my belly rising and falling as each breath moves in and out of me. Decide that whatever you've chosen will be your single focus of attention. Then feel the impulse arise in the mind as it very likely will, calling your attention to move to another part of the body or to become interested in thoughts or feelings. If you keep your attention fixed on whatever object of awareness you have selected, renouncing the impulse to change, it will be the mind equivalent of saying, let's not go there. For three minutes, don't go there. So let's do that. Let's let this be our meditation and then we'll keep breathing. So I'll time us and we'll take more than three. We'll take about, I won't tell you how long, but we'll take enough. So we will take enough. So remember her instructions. First, restrain the impulse to just keep reading the book. She wants us to stop. So that's one impulse we're restraining. We're going to close our eyes, take some deep breaths in and out, and decide what focus you'd like to hold. So that could be you're going to feel the breath as it comes in and out of the nostrils, or feel it in the chest, and then relax with each breath, or feel the belly rising and falling. And then keep remembering that that's your plan, okay? Okay, we just want to keep our attention focused on what we've chosen to focus on. So just get into that posture where you're attentive, awake. You can roll your shoulders back to help you sit up. Close your eyes if you can. 
and just become aware of your breath, of the body breathing, and just pick one of those spots. Be aware of your breath as, as the breath enters and leaves your nostrils, could be in your chest, or let it be your belly. Pick one of those. I recommend only uh, choose your chest if you're not prone to anxiety because sometimes fear and anxiety can be breathing too high in our chest. So if, you're, if you feel confident that you can take a breath in and be aware of your chest rising and falling without letting it go right up into your neck or your belly. Focus, be lightly on that spot you've chosen to be aware of, to be aware of your breath. chin down a bit. letting go, but stay with your focus, stay with your breath, at the 
the particular spot you've chosen. If you're distracted, just keep coming back. When you notice you've come, become distracted from your breath, come back to the spot where you started. Before I go back to reading, we'll just send our intention for the day and our sending merit forward. May everything we do and say and think today be done not only for our own benefit, but the benefit of all beings throughout the universe. Beings we can see and those we cannot see human and non-human, visible and invisible.
Now, did you notice that was our exercise for restraint? So, did you notice? Was it difficult to stay with your breath? And this is the meditation practice for developing restraint. So, if you feel like um, it's hard for you to restrain yourself, maybe whatever, whatever you're working with, try this meditation and you're just going to restrain yourself to staying with one point of focus for the practice and letting go of thoughts, <clears throat> letting go of an impulse to stop and pick a time and stay with it. So let's read the next section before we move to the end of our chapter. We still have time to read. So I like that kind of doing the meditation right inside of the, of the chapters to get an idea. So renunciation is restraint. So we just experienced it. Just to restrain ourselves to not be restless, not to move around or let our thoughts move around to stay focused on our breath. And that was, we did that for about seven or eight, seven or eight minutes. The language of seduction. Messages have begun to arrive in my email with subject listings like end-of-season bargains you cannot resist. Yes, I can. <laughs> I say to my computer screen and to the unseen sellers of something, of something who have sent me the message and I press delete. I never peek. It's a matter of conscience. I'm not concerned that I'll accidentally be seduced into buying. And although I'd like to think that my refusal to even look is regis registering a vote on some worldwide level against moving the marketplace into people's homes, I think it only registers as an erasure in cy cyberspace. I do the same with messages I can identify as offering me information I already know presented in a form that is designed to be inflammatory. The, they, that vote also, I am sure, does not count except to me. I get to say each time I avoid temptation, thank you very much, but I have everything I need. It's my practice and it's a pleasure. 2,500 years ago in India, men and women who were Moved enough by the Buddha's message of freeing the mind from the insistent demands of greed and anger to dedicate their lives to that possibility became monks and nuns. It was the recognized, respected lifestyle for spiritual aspirants. The community supported it and the lifestyle supported it. For monastics, a structured, simple, celibate life provided the possibility for discovering the pain of self-centered longing for personal choices and sensual gratification, and the truth that these longings of the heart are temporary, that they pass, that the end of suffering is real. Renouncing the world, becoming a monk or a nun, living a life designed to steady the mind was a powerful practice option. It still is. I had fantasies some years into my meditation practice when I was able to recognize the habits continually churning up suffering in my mind and when I would have had enough 
habit-free moments to know what a peaceful, compassionate, appreciative mind is. To know that a peaceful, compassionate, appreciative mind is a possibility of taking robes. They have those thoughts happened on retreat. I might be sitting or walking or drinking tea, and I'd have the thought, everything is just fine. The thought was not connected to the fact that the meditation hall was very quiet, or the day was beautiful, or the tea was a lovely new flavor. My mind was just fine, poised at ease. I would give myself alarm and dismay test. I think about my daughter on holiday in Mexico. What if Emmy forgot to take her asthma medicine? And then I would think probably she didn't forget. <clears throat> and then I would think, and, and they have pharmacies in Mexico, and I can't do anything about it. I would enjoy thinking about how much I loved her, how dear she is to me, and discover the pleasure of caring about her without being alarmed or to be sure that I still cared, that the feeling everything is just fine was not a sign of indifference. I would think about the suffering in the world, wars and poverty and sickness, and the fact that half the world goes to sleep hungry. I would feel first pain and then the natural alarm that comes with pain. I would think it's definitely not okay. It needs to be fixed. And then a bit later, this is not a random world. Everything hap whatever happens has causes. These situations have causes, so they can be fixed. I'll help fix them. Resolve held in steadiness, what the Buddha called clear comprehension of purpose, frees the mind from the grip of fear that forms around the awareness, I need it to be another way. When I was able to restore my inner balance by remembering calmly, this is what I can do and I'll do it. I would think I need to be on retreat all the time. It keeps my mind from getting lost. I need to be a nun. Then the surprising that day, then the surprising daydream of a renunciation ceremony would begin. For some minutes I'd imagine, imagine with pleasure, having my head shaved, taking vows, being given robes. The images always stopped on their own with the thought, I can't do that. That won't work in my life, at least not now. And then I think, I'll have to be an invisible nun. I'll need to do my renunciation in my heart. It is, after all, responding unwisely to greed and to anger that I want to renounce. Greed and anger, wanting and not wanting, will happen for me forever, I think, as long as I am alive. They feel like a part of the natural response system of my body and mind. What I want to renounce is heedlessness. I want to remember when I'm being held in the uncomfortable thrall of impulse, compelled or confused, that freedom is a possibility. The vow to renounce heedlessness is the inverse of the vow to pay attention. I have a verse from a song of an ancient Buddhist nun taped onto the frame of my computer screen. 
It reads, I, a nun, trained and self-composed, establish mindfulness and enter peace like an arrow. The elements of mind and body became still, and I entered happiness. I get to read it every time messages that incite or seduce appear in my mail. Online, at least, it helps me remember my choices. I'd like to think of it going with me when I am offline in the rest of my life as my nun's robe, as my habit. I like that. And if we go to the end of this chapter, the decision, now I'm skipping probably eight pages. This decision is just for now, everyday renunciation practice. The point for me of my renunciation practices is that they continue to teach my mind that the imperative it feels, I must have this right now, I need to do this my way, is not true. The tension of desire in the mind is uncomfortable, but the lesson for me is always the same. The imperative passes not because I have willed it away, but just because it passes like everything else. It's thrilling, which is an odd word to use about a renunciation practice, to be able to say, I have desires, but I am not trapped by them. I have some long-term lifestyle rules, a Sabbath day each week, particular foods that I do not eat, that have become so routine that they aren't a difficult practice for me. So I periodically take on new rules when they present themselves, if I think they'll be helpful. Two years ago, I gave a gift, large, larger than one I would normally do without asking Seymour, my husband, to a cause I support. I decided I would balance my, univer, uni, my unilateral decision by not buying fresh flowers on Friday afternoon for the next year. A long-standing habit pleasing primarily to me. You really can buy flowers, Seymour said when I told him my plan. It's fine about the gift. You don't need to balance. It's been a good practice though. I pass the flower shop as I do my Friday shopping. I stop to admire the display. I watch the flowers change with the seasons. Often I feel like buying some. I listen to my mind make up reasons. It's been more than a year now. These are so pretty. Tom and Mary are coming for dinner. I really should be supporting the local flower growers. So far I pass them by. That the important lesson, one that is still working, happens when I am halfway down the street and realize that the tug at my heart that was present in front of the flowers is no longer there. Life is easier without imperatives. Outside a vowed community with shared rules, everyone's life is different, and so I can't imagine what would be a valuable practice for you. But I invite you to think about choosing something you could give up for some significant period of time 
that you like enough so that you'd notice its absence, but not so much that you or your family would be in discomfort. Then see what you learn. Remember, it's not about becoming stoic. It's about becoming intimate with the nature of desire itself. Desire pulls so hard, it's surprising to find that it's empty. So, there's lots in between. So, this book, I really, I really like this book. Pay attention for goodness sakes. For goodness sake. <laughs> By Sylvia Borstein. She's a very well-known teacher in the insight tradition. So the next Paramita we'll work with is uh, wisdom. So let's say uh, this morning, before we leave, I'd like to do our, our intention for Ukraine. And I'd, like, I'd also like to add uh, Sri Lanka to this list because we know their economy has just fallen apart and there's lots of uh, Lots of concern in the country. They can't get gas, they can't get heating fuel for their cooking or for their homes. Um, there's not enough food. But this, but the Ukraine is, we know is, things are very bad there and there's lots more bombing going on and it just, the situation is not improving at all. So this is the, this, and at 11 a.m. Central Time, if you, have this intention on your mind or if you want to recite it. There are a lot of other people throughout the world doing it together. So this is for loving kindness and peace in Ukraine. Our intention is that peace in Ukraine be immediately, completely, and permanently restored in that country with no further loss of life and that the country maintain its sovereignty as an independent democratic nation. And our thoughts, our intentions go out also that Sri Lanka survived this economic crisis and that their country remain independent. So thank you everyone for being with me. It's been my delight and uh, you're an important part of my practice and it's wonderful seeing some names I haven't seen in a while. Michael? So have a beautiful day.